Hi, I'm Dennis Morashko, and this is Rebuilding the American Dream. In this podcast, we introduce you to thought leaders who are shaping the lives of the next generation. We discuss the challenges and innovations influencing higher education and how we can adapt to give students a strong foundation for their futures. Today, we're talking to Dr. Ali Malekzadeh, the sixth president of Roosevelt University. He is an expert in strategic management, an accomplished fundraiser, and a visionary academic leader who has served in higher education for more than 20 years. Prior to Roosevelt, he served as the Edgerly Family Dean of the College of Business Administration at Kansas State University. He has also held uh, key administrative positions at Xavier University, St. Cloud State University, Arizona State University West, and Northeastern University. Ali holds degrees from the University of Denver and earned his doctorate in business administration with an emphasis on strategic management from the University of Utah. He believes that access to higher education is every American's right and one of the pathways to live in the American dream. He champions Roosevelt's university's mission of social justice, as he is personally very passionate about women's and LGBTQ plus rights, immigration, affirmative action, and access to higher education. Thank you for being with us today, Ali. Well, thank you so much, Dennis, for inviting me. Yeah, we, uh, I just got done reading a very long introduction. You've clearly been an innovative and ingenious academic leader in higher education for a couple of decades here, over 20 years. Can you please share more about yourself and experiences that led you to where you are today? Sure. When you call me ingenious, the expectations for my performance goes up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's dampen that. Uh, I'm a simple person, modest person with simple ideas such as why shouldn't every college student have a mentor? Uh, not their parents, not the faculty and staff of the university, but uh, in the community. So that the mentor, usually an alum of the university, can focus them on their careers, ask, you know, answer their questions and give them advice. And that has worked extremely well for us. You know, second simple idea, why shouldn't we showcase what we do at Roosevelt uh, our social justice and diversity and inclusion message by hosting an annual American Dream Conference when we can bring in noted speakers, such as, you know, uh, we brought Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg in 2017 to the university. And this coming October, uh, Justice Sotomayor will join us to talk about uh, social justice. Yeah, that's that's terrific. As as you talk about, um, <laughs> you, you describe yourself as a modest man with the very very small, very common sense ideas. And as I as I think about what you're describing, um, in the context of a liberal arts university, it's uh, it's sort of what uh, maybe maybe it's wrong to say it's what you would expect, but it's it's what one thinks of when when one thinks of liberal arts universities. And Roosevelt is a very well known liberal arts college university. There's some debate right now about as we focus on STEM versus liberal arts. And I'm not even sure that we need to accept that there's a fundamental distinction within a college setting, but what are your thoughts about, is there room for both? Should we preference one versus the other? How does all of that sort of line up in your own mind as you're managing a world-class institution? Yeah, I, you know, Roosevelt University is a comprehensive university, which means we do liberal arts extremely well, as you mentioned, Dennis, but we also do STEM extremely well. I think they stand side by side um, because the future of our nation depends, number one, on having well-educated citizenry who understands the liberal education, who understands history of our nation, 
understands the separation of powers within our, our government and well read about the world, about philosophy, about uh, religion, about whatever they're passionate for. At the same time, maybe that person is an engineer. Maybe that person is a biologist or virologist right now so that they can do research on the latest viruses that is affecting us, afflicting the world right now with COVID. So I think uh, it goes down to who should graduate from a university. My point is uh, a graduate of Roosevelt University needs to be a well-rounded student. So she can go and succeed no matter what she decides to do, whether STEM or you know, a historian or a writer. It's, uh, it, it turns out, right, isn't it, that, uh, doesn't it, that nothing stops a STEM-educated person from thinking liberal arts thoughts and uh, thoughts about education more generally, and vice versa. Liberal arts-educated pers- person could, could very well go on to do fantastic things within STEM, and then maybe the two shouldn't be quite as mutually ex- or, or thought to be mutually exclusive as they're portrayed in the, um, in, in, in the popular media, certainly. But what you've said, what you said about educating socially uh, conscious citizens um, for sort of, if you think of them for active and dedicated lives as leaders in their professions, regardless of what they are, that jumped out at me because, I mean, that, that, isn't, that seems to be the core of everything. What are you guys doing at Roosevelt? Um, what are you doing as an institution? And in particular, what are you doing for the students on the individual level to, for them to teach and implement social justice? when they're both enrolled and more importantly, when they leave your institution and they spend the rest of their lives further in that mission. Yeah, you know, that is when I talk to the incoming class and I ask the students, no matter what the intended major is, why did you come to Roosevelt? And the number one answer usually is the social justice mission attracted me. Uh, However, I want a business degree. However, I want a biology degree or I want a psychology degree. That doesn't matter. What we do extremely well at Roosevelt since our founding actually is provide hands-on experiences for these students so they can understand what social justice means. It's one thing they read about it in class uh, when we say sustainability is social justice. Yeah, 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 sure. But why and how is it related to people's lives? So our faculty take them to the neighborhoods where you know, industry is spewing out you know, major pollutions in the neighborhoods. And usually these are low-income neighborhoods. And say, look at the health and safety of these residents in our city of Chicago. And suddenly the light goes on for that student. Oh. So if we have sustainable energy, that means we won't be able to pollute and on the other hand, you know, destroy the lives of especially low-income people. So I can give you, you know, many, many of these type of examples, but it's social justice in action, if you will. Uh, let me give you one more example because it's very relevant this week, in fact, in Chicago, uh, our faculty, uh, professor of journalism, John Fountain, who used to work for New York Times, took our students to interview uh, families of women and mostly African-American women who had been murdered over the last couple of decades in Chicago. And he, he called it 
the forgotten 51. And the students talked to these families, brought them to life again. And then it led actually to a task force by the mayor to look into the death of a lot of people, including these women. And now the state is looking into uh, putting together a special task force and legislator so that they can look into it. Imagine the learning for these students, uh, understanding how important the lives of each individual is, learning how to interview these families who were still grieving 10, 15, 20 years later. And at the same time, uh, this was a social justice story, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. I'm thinking of your examples and they're fascinating because they sort of blow out of the water and the the notion that, well, you go to college and it's just all academics and it's removed from the real world. And Mm -hmm. it's not until you graduate that you get the real world. Well, what you're describing, I mean, that's as real as it gets. And, you know, uh, one more anecdote, because it comes back to real world. One of our psychology students uh, on the way home every day as she was walking to the south side of the city, she keep running into a homeless person. Eventually she started talking to him and realized that he's in the streets, he has an amazing, has had an amazing life, but had no social security, no Medicaid, no ID, nothing. That's why he was living in the streets. And she made it her own mission, first to put a name on him, Mr. Roby, and then help him get help that he deserves from the government. And fast forward a year, year and a half later, he had a social security number, he had Medicaid, and she was helping him be placed in a home so that he, had, he would have his own apartment. And you know, when uh, we asked her, why are you doing this? Her response was just absolutely unbelievable. She said, I decided to save one life. So think about that. This student will be, and I know she already is, successful in her life, no matter what she decides to do in her career. You are, that's, that's incredible. You, stri- you strike me as a university president that probably has an anecdote for every one of your students, <laughs> the, way, <laughs> the way you bra- brag about them and the way you uh, are justifiably proud of them. And kudos to you for recruiting and retaining such high caliber students. You know, I'm thinking as enrollment is low amongst most higher education institutions, as, as, the, as the picture continues to look not particularly bright, according to, according to some, because the demographic shifts or the, the de- demographics of the college-going population is, is down. What, what are you guys doing at Roosevelt to make sure that you do continue to recruit and retain the kind of students that you want to be telling these stories that you've just mentioned? Uh, you know, first of all, higher ed was absolutely devastated by COVID. And we're just beginning to come out of the recession related to COVID. We had two years of CARES Act money from federal government that really helped. But every university that is a thousand or fewer students, private universities are absolutely hurting. Okay. In fact, yesterday, another one announced that they're shutting their doors. So what we need to do, and, and we are doing at Roosevelt University, We are fortunate to have a good endowment that we have built through the years through fundraising. That is helping us. We are also looking to acquire other universities so that we can add to our enrollment. 
And at the same time, we are unveiling new academic programs, a lot of them in the STEM areas and health sciences that seem to have high demand from the students. So at every level we're fighting. The other side of the coin is reducing our cost as much as possible. We do so that we can, our tuition can stay low because what keeps me up at night is the fact that middle-class families have a hard time uh, affording to send their sons and daughters to a private university. And that gets back to our next question that I was going to ask you. And it's something, Ali, that you mentioned at the top of the podcast. Um, And that has to do with the conference that you're so proud of, that you've championed, the annual American Dream Reconsidered Conference. You mentioned Justice Ginsburg, Justice Sotomayor. I mean, those are, I mean, those are as, as big names as you can probably get in terms of people with terrific life stories themselves and certainly inspirational in their own right. And the fact that you can get them to come, I mean, that, that says a lot, of, a lot right there. But tell us more about this conference, how it came to be, um, how is it changing, how is the American dream itself changing or staying the same, connected to the point that you've just made, which is, if, you, if middle class is priced out of private college education and the public schools can only take so many of them, what does it mean if we end up in a place where people just cannot go to college? What does that right. do to the American dream? Talk yeah. about that a little bit, Ali. You know, uh, let's start with the American dream overall. Uh, and we call it reconsidered mainly because American dream needs to be reconsidered every year with every generation. Used to be... Uh, a family of four with a dog and a cat and a picket fence. And that was the American dream. Uh, but that same American dream resonates very differently for Asian Americans, for African Americans, for Native Americans. And we need to be very aware of what it means for each generation of Americans and the younger generation versus the older generation. The American dream that we are talking about at Roosevelt University, we came up with the idea of to showcase what I just told you of what faculty do in the community, along with bringing well-known speakers such as Eric Holder and our justices to come come to Roosevelt and talk about the future of the American dream. uh, Eric Holder was talking about voting rights. So these are all the important discussions that take place. We have had quite a few speakers from the left and the right as well, who politely and forcefully uh, advocate for their views so that we can have the students hear issues from both sides and make their own decisions. That's a sign of a well-educated college student. And uh, it has served us extremely well because it's free to the population, to the public. People come in and attend these. It's about four days of conference. You know, we have all kinds of panels on healthcare, Obamacare, on redlining and red zoning, which led to disasters for uh, African-American communities all over the nation, including in Chicago as well. So important topics all uh, related to social justice are discussed in our annual American Dream Conference. And, you know, speakers usually come in with, you know, their own views. Uh, one of the speakers we had, you know, a couple of years ago said, look, uh, I am in my 50s. And as the Supreme Court is changing, you, you, the young audience sitting in front of me, 
you have the battles that you have to fight uh, throughout your generation to make sure the Supreme Court responds to your needs. And that has happened exactly as she predicted. Certainly a powerful charge to the students, right? For them to hear that from somebody who is uh, as accomplished as Supreme Court justice or as, as the attorney general holder or anybody else of that caliber. Right. I mean, when they, when they look at students and they say, uh, it's, it's now your turn, you need to, uh, you need to take, take up this torch and carry it and, and make the changes that you want to see in the world. The American dream um, as a concept, Ali, obviously we talk about it in terms of how it needs to be reexamined on the conference you're running. How about you personally? What, is, what does it mean to you? Uh, you know, I'm an immigrant from Iran and I lost my country to Khomeini who took over my country and I couldn't go back. So I applied for a political asylum in the United States. I was a college student at the University of Utah and was granted asylum. And really my American dream started at that moment when I received my green card and later on my citizenship and my daughters were born in Boston and in Phoenix. And my wife and I, uh, both in higher education, started to give back by helping educate the other students and helping run, run universities and writing textbooks and uh, really serving the higher education market. That's the way we give back to the community. We, we as Americans, should never ever take our freedoms for granted. And I think that has become very clear for most of the population because every freedom we have will be lost if we don't preserve it. And the way to preserve that is through higher education. Good education in the school system to start with, and then higher education. Dennis, I want to challenge you by saying that if we opened our doors, our borders to the rest of the world, every 18 year old from around the world will aspire to come to the United States and go to college here. Every smart kid would like to go, mainly because they see the opportunities that you have through higher education. Uh, the myth is, well, you know, you go to the U.S. and, you know, the old myth of the pavement, pavements are covered with gold. They forgot to mention you need to go through higher education to get to that goal. I mean, I was delighted when my parents decided to uh, to move here from from Russia when I was 17. I, I should just shy of my 17th birthday. And mm-hmm. you're exactly right. Although, finally enough, nobody nobody has nobody had told me about the uh, pavements, you know, in gold and everything else. Uh, somehow, <laughs> somehow, I'm, somehow I missed that part. So I guess maybe it's good in a way that I, you know, I wasn't lied to. But you're, I think you're absolutely right. Is that I mean, this this still is the place where you can go and. You work hard and you don't have to worry as you would in other countries about, you know, which political party you have to pay off, like what, what has to happen for you to get ahead. You can actually make it on your own. You still can. It's, and that gets lost. And we, people get so cynical about sort of this political party or that political party. And we, we talk a lot in terms of the polarization. But what gets lost in that is that it's still possible here to just put your nose to the ground, work hard. As you said, go get yourself an education get yourself that footing in life, and then you, you make, make your career the way you want it to be. You start a family, you plant some roots, and you go from there. And, you know, every single person who never finished a degree regrets it 
for the rest of their lives. How do I know? Mm-hmm. Because they come back. You know, recently, uh, before COVID, when we had in-person commencement, invariably at every commencement, a student goes by who's graduating and whispers in my ear, I am 70 years old. I'm finishing my degree today. We are the only country that you can walk in and walk to any community college and within 20 minutes, register, get a book, go sit in a class. No other country in the world will allow you to do that. Right. So students obviously come to you from all sorts of walks of life. The, the one who is whispering in your ear that he or she is 70 years old, obviously they start their college education in your school in a, from a very different place. But if you, if you look at all of them, Ali, the young, the, the mid-career students, you know, high schoolers and everybody who is slightly, slightly more advanced in their years than the high schooler, what do you say to them? Uh, what advice would you give them as they're contemplating that decision about their, their futures, about going to college? Like, well, if you impart some wisdom on them, whether or not they come to Roosevelt, right? Take it away from Roosevelt, just as you're talking to students who want to go to college. What do you tell them? Never, ever quit. Never quit. College is not easy. It's not supposed to be easy. This is not a cakewalk. We will make you work. There will be times that people feel homesick feel, hey, I can't do this. Why is everybody around me in the class smarter than I am? You know, those are perceptions and misperceptions often. But first of all, we have significant help for everybody. All they have to do is ask. And the other part is just do not quit because you are going to regret it for the rest of your life. And that's my best advice. Persevere, finish, do it one class at a time if you have to but never, ever, ever give up, especially talking to women, because if women get educated, then their daughters and their sons will use them as role model to be educated. And within gener- one generation, we have everybody in the family go through college. That's, that's a good advice. Don't, don't quit, Perse- persevere. Well, Ali, thank you very much for your time today. I mean, you've been very generous with us. It's just a pleasure speaking with you. I'll always enjoy our discussions before the podcast, during the podcast. It's, it's, it's obvious to me that you just love bragging about your school and your students. And that's, uh, and that's what it's all about. We want to want to talk to higher education leaders who are, who are happy warriors and they're out there and they're making stuff happen. You've been listening to me, Dennis Morashko of Degree Insurance, and this is Rebuilding the American Dream. Find out more on our website, americandream.fm, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Degree Insurance. Until next time, goodbye.